Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. All righty then. <laughs> Let's have some fun. We are back, and this time we are with the beautiful, lovely Miss Eva Covey. Did I say that right? Covey? Eva Covey, absolutely. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I wish I had that last name, Covey. You have to. I'm sorry, but you have to flip your hair when oh, you say it, though. So. I, Covey. Covey. Sorry. Sorry, darling. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, we are going to be talking about one of her favorite books. Can you tell everybody in seven words or less? Aww, well, I was say, okay, fine. Okay. Ten words or less. Okay, gotcha. What is your book about? Okay. Uh, Viking, dragon, shifter, Chinese dragon, shifter, fortune cookies, world destroyer. That's ten. That's. Does it work? That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, All right. It works. Got okay. it. Got it. So. Oh, it's hot in bed. Okay. So 13. I, I don't know if we can do that now that it's just. 13. I said 10. All right, fine. I'll get with it. So let, let's talk about the uh, the plot here just a little bit. Okay. Because in this thrilling tale of dragons and secrets, how does the recent invasion by the, the prophesized world destroyer propelled Lucia and Ivar into a complex web of alliances and betrayal? Wait, are we doing? Oh, wait, wait let me look real oh, quick. Oh, see, this is exactly. I know, happens. right? You know, when you when you're sitting down with somebody yes. that has like a multiple books mm -hmm. and they forget. I know, <laughs> right? No, well, I'm kind of I'm working with both of them because yeah. there's what a dragon wants, which is the Chinese and the Viking dragon shifters, and there's what a dragon needs, which comes out on the 19th, oh. which is Ivar and Lucia, and so the prophesized world destroyer brings Lucia to his Minnesota clan mm -hmm. because his clan is the ones who beats the world destroyer. Well, don't you know? I know. Don't, don't you know? know? Exactly. You? Exactly. So they got to have like lots of jello salad and um, tater tot, oh you know, hot, oh, hot dishes. Um, and so she's got to, she's got to learn his culture and she's from the dragon council and he's this surly grumpy, um, dragon shifter who thinks, you know, there's 
the Dragon Council hasn't talked to us for 30 years. Why now all of a sudden do they want to make friends with us? It has to be grumpy. You know, his name is Ivan. I know, so, right. you know, that's that's the most that is the grumpiest name I've ever had. He's, he's, he's like my surly a-hole who I got to redeem into uh, a nice, supportive, really, um, really great guy. So let me ask you this in regards to this. Have you ever created a character just to immediately kill them off just because someone pissed you off? You know what? I actually avoid doing that because if they make me that mad, I don't want to give them the satisfaction of seeing themselves in one of my books. You know, I like that. I like mm-hmm. that because yeah. I've gotten, I think, a couple of those yeah. yes and no kind mm-hmm. of things. But, you know, so that's not to say I don't kill off characters. <laughs> Well, it wouldn't be a story if you didn't kill off somebody, right, especially right? if Vikings are involved right. with dragons. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on now. Somebody's so, got to die. Well, of course. Well, it, it, of course. And it's, you know, the novel shifts between, you know, Lucia and Ivar's perspectives, mm-hmm. too. So, and it offers uh, readers unique insights into their thoughts and motivations. Yes. yes. How does this dual p- uh, point of view enrich the storytelling? Mm-hmm and create a deeper connection mm-hmm. between the characters and the exactly. audience. Well, as a romance reader, I have always loved knowing what the male is thinking when he looks at a woman, especially if she has uh, self-esteem or body image issues, and he still finds her to be beautiful and somebody that he can fall in love with. Um, so I'm always big on you know, and of course I have to, you know, my surly Ivar, I have to have walk him through his change in not distrusting her and actually seeing that she, um, you know, is this actual, this powerful light dragon. Um, and so he becomes the supportive boyfriend. And of course, as a romance author, I'm big on females growing and becoming bigger and better than they started off as. So I wanted to get her emotional journey through the story as well. So hopefully their their emotional arcs kind of mirror each other, and in the end they come together. Uh, you know, males we 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 are very simple creatures. Yeah. You know. Well, I can't just yeah. write. You know, she's really pretty, and I want to have sex with her. <laughs> hopefully, she shows up naked. It would be a really short book with a big old thing of. <laughs> a, 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 a Schmitz beer. A, a, a Spitz beer in one hand and, you know, that turkey leg in the other, you know. You know, so let's go ice fishing. Let's go I, ice fishing and everything. Hey, why not? Yeah. So, final question. Mm-hmm. What is your writing kryptonite? What is your weakness? Um, not having enough time to write and having way too many ideas. I have a book that's like seven books away knocking at my brain saying, write me, write me. I'm like, I, I can't. And I don't have enough time. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, I got it's, this thing, this thing called, you know, a husband and kids, and <sighs> so they're your writing kryptonite. Thing. I guess Family, so. family's writing kryptonite, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I would you never heard say. it here first. <laughs> don't tell don't, him I said that, please. Don't tell her husband or her children at all. Not at all. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> Thank you, Ava, for being. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, folks. We will be right back with our next author right after this. We are back, and this time we are with a 
my, my favorite thing in the world, another anthropologist. This is so great. This is Miss Sutton Bishop, and she has written this book called Finding Home with her, ooh, the other one. This is the first one. This is the Hearts don't lie, y'all. They don't lie. They don't lie. Uh, sorry, I don't know why that came from. Um, so let us get directly into it because this is a really interesting type of, um, what's the word I'm gonna say? Uh, conversation piece because a lot of people have these walls that are built up. Mm -hmm. They don't want people to get close to uh, their hearts and anything like that. So let's talk about Emery Walsh. Mm -hmm. And it, this character thrives on control, yeah. especially when flying high in the sky. And how does this need for control play into uh, her personal life? And how does it how does the introduction of Arlo Cruz um, play into this? Well, he he lets her know right away he's interested, and she's been she's very jaded. She was engaged. Something awful happened, and she saw that. She came up on it when it happened. So she's more or less sworn off men in any serious capacity. It's fine to hook up every once in a while. Because um, she can control that, she can control any involvement, any 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 emotions towards that. But he just keeps coming, and he's a very patient um, man. Mm -hmm. And he literally just he just kind of breaks her down in the sweetest of ways, and yet leaves her that control that she needs so much. But shows her that she can love. She can love somebody. She can be emotional. And this is something that she fights consistently, consistently. through the entire uh, novel itself. Through the, through the through entire the novel. Um, yeah, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, she's got a very, very tight group of friends. Um, and she's they're called the Posse. And they, are, um, they have each other's backs. Yeah. She has a very tight family. She has a twin sister. So she's got wonderful relationships. She's very close to her Uncle Harris. But this man... He's really throwing her for a loop. He's challenged pretty much everything that she holds dear to. Everything. Everything. So this the, this is a small town setting that we, this everything takes place in, and it contributes significantly to the story itself. Yeah. How does this close knit community and its unique atmosphere influence the development of Emery and um, of Ari, Arlos relationship? Well, it, they let her know it's okay. Um, they know her really well. They know all of her strengths and all of her weaknesses. And they just gently continue to be there and say, it's okay. You can open up. This man is a good man. And she gradually begins to hear that. And there's, there are things that her friends and her family members and her twin sister does to kind of keep moving her forward toward him and helping with him. Break, break her down a little bit and open her up to him. So how much of what's written in the book, in the series itself, actually, is very close to, you know, your anthropology? Or is it just, like, completely in a different world? That's, well, this is, um, I would say Arlo is, um, he's from the Catalan region, uh, so Barcelona of, of Spain. So I did take the second book, International. So... It's a cultural um, aspect of the book, uh, and there are scenes. The readers go to Barcelona. They go to Ibiza. 
Um, but my other series is really my my anthropological thrust and uh, some of the forensic thrust. This is more what I would call um, kind of classical romance, uh, small town romance. Which, you know, makes sense yeah. because romance has been around our entire forever. forever so, yeah. you know, it's the oldest actual um, origin story, per se, yes. is love. Yeah. And it's, it's great that you're taking a little bit of your life as an anthropologist mm -hmm. and also bringing in a lot of what you believe in consistently in your own life mm -hmm. as well. Um, how close of was that inspiration from your own personal life to these characters and where they came from in this? Um, in the first book, uh, which is called Hearts Don't Lie, I know we're not talking about that. It was very much... There, there's very much my husband and myself in that book uh, because we had second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And these are second chance romance as well as being small town. And, and many of us have come to love through more and more chances. Um, so that book is really close to, I would say, our relationship. This is, uh, I, I've been in Spain uh, numerous times and it's, uh, and I had, revere the culture so it, that aspect of what i love is in here and it's factual um yeah. so final question what is your writing kryptonite what, what is, is what your you weakness mean by that? what is your weakness like superman i mean what do i like to write or what what, what is I your writing what is your writing weakness like do you get distracted easily? Is, is it, oh. uh, like for me, like anime is my writing kryptonite. Oh, well for me, um, when, I'm in, when I'm in the scene, when I'm really writing and I'm, I'm engrossed in the book, I've, I've lost sight of everything else that's going on. I just completely, and I can write for five, six, seven, eight hours. And the only thing that's gonna get me up is a restroom break. Oh. But uh, usually, then when that happens, because I, I don't hear anything, I'm not aware of time, my husband slides in with some food or my kids slide in with some food and they that's it, they just kind of slide in, they put the food on my desk, I nod and I'm just still going. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I get really involved in what I'm writing. Which, you know, sometimes folks, being too focused can be a kryptonite. Yes. <laughs> it can be a very big thing. Thank you very much again, Sutton, so I appreciate much. it. Thank you so much, I You're appreciate welcome. it. Ladies and gentlemen, Sutton Bishop, and we will be right back with our next author. We are back, and this time again, second year in a row, we have another wonderful author. This is Anita Sharma. I always have to double check my last names because I do not want to insult anybody because I know how it is with me. Thank you for being on here again. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And here's, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know this, you need to go back to last year's because Anita was actually our youngest author prior to Jason. Sorry. Uh, she says this is her second book that she's written and it is called True Genius. Yes. And now, I'm gonna get. A, we're gonna get a little nitty gritty because she's. We gotta play this way. So, let's talk about what roles does the summer camp setting play in the development of the novel. Um. So, basically, the two characters that are in the story, um, 
One is a science nerd, like she loves science experiments, and and the brother actually loves sports. So uh -huh. the camp is like for them to pursue their interests. So uh, Samira, she's the science nerd, and she goes to a science camp, and her brother is like plays sports on the field. So that helps to like develop the character's interests. Which makes sense. Makes sense. So I should have asked this first, but can you tell me in like ten words or less? What is True Genius about? So it's basically about um, two siblings, uh, a 13-year-old girl and 11-year-old boy, who go on a journey to find out the truth about their family. So it's like an adventure mystery kind of story. It's more than 10, but we'll deal with that. That is fine. Just relax. You're good. So uh, in regards to that mystery part, because we all love mysteries, because that's what makes life interesting. How does this unexpected mystery they face influence the siblings' relationship and the understanding of themselves? So I believe that, like, when they um, to find, like, when they were finding out the truth, it actually brought them closer together. Because, like, before when the story started, I had the characters; they were fighting a lot, and they were just had their own thing. But then, um, when they were working together, and they found like the truth about their father, they each had like different um, things that they pieced together, and um, after this was over, they became more closer and were able to understand each other more and like have a bond for each other. Yeah, because you know siblings never, never fight. Especially like brother and sister. Oh yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> never, never. Now let me ask you this: Do you and your siblings fight? Well, when we were younger, we were like we sometimes did, but um, but right now, like my sister is like my best friend, so, and we get along really well and share our secrets and understand each other. So, and that's how it should be. Yeah. It really should. So, let me ask you this one more point: How does the novel explore the the importance of family, trust, and self discovery? Um. So it explores self discovery because. They each had their own passions, and they used that to kind of help them on this adventure, especially the science. And um, since the brother was interested in sports, once he figured out all the cool stuff that his sister was doing, he also started becoming interested in science. Um, and the sister was kind of jealous at first, but then as the story moved on, and uh, Samira was able to figure out all the cool stuff that. His brother or her brother did with science. She started to like appreciate him more and I guess trust him more. So there's a, there's a lot of growth between them, just basically just learning about each other. Yeah. So I think that's good. I think we're good on that. Now, final question: What is your writing kryptonite? What is your weakness? Uh, my weakness, I would say. Probably like is the development of characters.、Mm -hmm. I usually tend to like have characters that have like stories with loose ends, and so、um, maybe sometimes the readers are not able to like follow along, or they cannot picture the character because I don't develop the characters completely. So I could definitely improve on that and giving them more description. You know, I think that's that's something. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, come on now. This is her second book. She's 18 this year. I'm 21. 21. I, I apologize. I, I, you look 18. You, you, she looks a lot younger than she actually is. Thank you again. Thank you. We appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Anita Sharma.
one of the great ones here, okay? We will be right back with our next author here in a bit. back ladies and gentlemen we got again i I swear we have so many repeat customers coming to beyond the pan i think it's really good ladies and gentlemen this is christopher klauser did i say right yeah uh i I had a hard time last year saying his last name for some reason i don't know why but this time he has brought us argent's menagerie yeah and it is a little bit different from last year's he's he's still stayed within the same thought process yep just changed it from being here on Earth to in space. Right. So let, let's talk about, the obviously, this new one that you have. But in 10 words or less, could you tell us what your new book is about? Yeah. Space pirate takes on a job, doesn't know what it's about, and regrets it, and tries to make amends for it the rest of the story. That's close enough to 10. 10 yeah. words, yeah. No, I got you. Yeah. So, why space? Uh, so, I think the idea was I wanted to do something that I haven't done before. Space story was something I haven't touched upon yet mm-hmm. in my writing. Uh, so, I took in some sci-fi elements, and but basically built a story in a similar way to what I always do. And kind of focused on the kind of the genre-specific pieces as well. Uh, to get a get a different experience from a writing standpoint. So tell us about the, the protagonist. What is his name? So his name is Argent. Oh, Argent. He, of course, Argent. <laughs> of course, Doug. He owns the spaceship Menagerie. Uh, he has a crew, and which is kind of his family in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Uh, as he's going through the story, he's kind of a, he's kind of a pirate rogue type of guy and takes on jobs that most people wouldn't. And this one he regrets, obviously. Obviously. But, uh, but also, he's got a bigger story because he's he's kind of the black sheep of his family. His family's very aristocratic, and his brother's kind of centrally placed in, like, a local government. So, it's, And they've broken their trust over the years. And so it's him not only dealing with the main plot line, but his secondary story of trying to regain that trust with his brother, his twin brother, and building that relationship from the bottom up. So it, it seems like there's a lot of development in between mm-hmm. trusting. J- just like Anita on hers, there's a lot of family, there's a lot of trust, and a yep. lot of inner and external uh, conflicts yep. that we're really dealing with. Here. Yep. What yeah. are some of the other external conflicts that he has to deal with? So... He's got pressures from his home planet. He goes back there to, and has to deal with some things. Uh, the the main the main antagonist of the story is really pushing to do some really bad things, and he's got to try to help deflect that or resolve the problem. Uh, there's a character that gets brought in the story that's a former flame of his that Ooh. creates some conflict Ooh. as well. We have a little bit of a romance here. Yeah, and then he's obvi- and he's got a he's got a he's got a girlfriend mm-hmm. in the story, so he's building on that relationship. So there's a lot of external things as well as those underlying trust issues and and family oriented drama that also comes that impacts him inter- internally. 
So when we're talking about, you know, these internal and external conflicts that a lot of characters have to deal with yep. and trying to move the plot along, what do you think was the hardest thing for you to create out of this in terms of those conflicts? So really the hardest thing for me was just building the emotions because they're, they're all aliens. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're not humans. So they've got a lot. So I had to think about things a little differently about physiologically things that may be different, how they process emotions, different world building things that would be different um, for them as a different species than from you or I as humans. Which is a little bit difficult when you're coming from fantasy in some ways directly to sci-fi because, yeah, they both deal with certain things that are the same. Yeah, there's a lot more differences yeah. than there's anything. Yeah, a lot of subtle differences in how you build your world um, and how, I mean, one of the biggest things about building this, because it's a space story, is how do you get them from point A to point B in the story physically? Mm-hmm. And what kind of timeline does that look like? Because it's not like just driving across the town to get to the CBS or right. whatever. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this, and it'll be a final question. What, in regards to world building, what is your writing kryptonite? (laughs) So my writing kryptonite is trying to build something that creates conflict without having to real, that creates a conflict internally and externally for the character. It's one, it's easy to build the external conflicts, but you got to build something that's also internal uh-huh. and has an emotional impact on the on the character because that's how you're going to connect with the reader. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Christopher Klaus, thank you again for being on here. Appreciate hey, it. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, go out there, get Argent's Menagerie and uh, get it on yourselves because it sounds like amazing book. And we will be right back with our next author, ladies and gentlemen. Are back and again, I get I keep getting more people from last year back on here. Yeah. This one we actually ran into each other outside before we even started. Yeah. And you have so much fun at these places. Yeah. Because you, you not only selling books, but also just interacting with people. Yeah, that's yeah, good. So before we get started, could you please introduce yourself to our uh, listeners, our in this case, our viewers? Yes. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm M.B. Dabney. You can call me Michael. That's what the M stands for. And um, I'm a retired journalist and an author. And uh, my first novel is called An Untidy Affair. And um, um, it was published a little more than a year ago. And the next one, um, which will come out later this summer, is called a deadly game. Oh, another deadly game. Yeah, deadly game. So last year we talked about you know untidy affair a little yes. bit, but just to give a recap, can you tell us what it's about? And there's going to be your challenge here in ten words or less. Oh, good heavens! I had that is was going to be a hard one. I always get people at this. I love doing it yeah. too. It's fun. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to. I have to try and count. Um, uh, murder mystery, uh, fun, young detective 
That's about it. <laughs> hey, that's close enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's talk about the detective. Okay. Because if I remember correctly, this was based off of a little bit of, of you yes. in, in terms of your journalist. Right. So what what has changed between you now and the detective in the book? Well, the detective in the book, um, as I uh, might have said last year, but I do tell people, he's exactly like me, except that he's younger, taller, smaller, thinner, better looking, and has, you know, more hair. Um, other than that, he's perfectly me. Hey, um, you know what? Event, I can see it. I can <laughs> yeah, see it. I'm sure you can. Um, so, but in any event, um, the story starts um, in May of 1985, actually May 13th. And that was the same day that the Philadelphia Police Department bombed the house of a radical group called MOVE and destroyed the entire neighborhood and killed 11 people. And I had, when I was writing this book, I, had, I was on a site in Philadelphia, and I was trying to figure out a good time, and I thought, oh, well, that would be a good time to set it. Um, so it's not about MOVE. MOVE really sets the, sets the stage for it. You know, it's in the background. Um, but there are things in the, in the book that, um, that there's one thing in particular that comes directly out of MOVE because I was a reporter in Philadelphia at the time mm -hmm. and covered the MOVE bombing and the aftermath. And there's a scene in which um, the detective, David Blaze, walks with his secretary down one of the streets a day after it's been bombed. And... Um, and she looks at, at what would have been her house, and it's totally destroyed. Right. And all the houses on either side of those are also destroyed. So I do give the reader a sense of, of Philadelphia at that time um, and the impact of move. But, um, the, um, but the detective, you know, he's not unaffected by it, but he still has his job to do because he's following a philandering husband and he's trying to find a missing person. So, you know, that the move drama um, develops in the background, but it sets the it sets the stage in a sense, but it's not actually, the book is not actually about move. Right, but it still impacts the plot. Oh, everything. Yeah. Everything is based off of this. Yes. And yes. that's one of the fun. things I want people to understand is that, you know, when, when we are writing these great novels, these great stories, majority of time, majority of time, these stories are based off of real facts yes. or real people in this yes. case. So let me ask you this. In, in regards to the events that surround this entire yes. storyline, what was the hardest for you not to put into the book when you were writing it? I'm a, I'm a, something else. I'm going to approach that slightly differently. Okay. I, I covered Move, as I said, when I was there, and, but I covered it as a reporter, and so I, I had a bit of distance between what I thought and how I felt about it right. than what I wrote. Um, there were, what I found out in writing it um, many, many years later, is I had unresolved issues about it. Mm -hmm. and, and it, I don't know, I was just really, really... I, w I had an anger about it that I did not know that I had, and that I did not know that was um, that 
was impacting me as a person and as a reporter. And some of that comes through, at least I think, in, in the book, particularly like the scene I just mentioned and a couple of others, you know, in which, you know, he's standing there, you know, in front of all of this, all of this destruction. And yet he still has, he still has cases to deal with and, and real life stuff to deal with. So, um, so there's a lot of not only internal, uh, conflict with what's going on in the world. Yes. There's a lot of external conflict yes. wrapped around yes. this character. Yeah, and like in the in the the next book, which actually is a prequel to this one, which will come out um as I said um later this summer or early fall, that's called A Deadly Game. Um it takes place in nineteen eighty four and at the time there was a mob war going on. Yeah. And um and so he kind of gets caught up in that as well. You just love destroying your, <laughs> yourself into so many conflicts yeah. and just having fun with it. Yeah, I I I was having fun with it. You yeah. mean I mean, excuse me, the younger happier, uh, smarter <laughs> You know, gracious person that he is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Michael, thanks again. I Thank appreciate you. you. No being problem. Here. It's it's really good to be back, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm looking forward to um, to more of your podcast. Well, you know what? You're always welcome. Okay, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael Dabney, go thank out you. and get his book, Untidy Affair. An Untidy Affair. And then look for the deadly game. A deadly game. This you stop repeating everything I say. <laughs> we'll be right back with our next author. Thank, Thank you. Hey, folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.